Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all of the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 122 of the show, and as all of you know, we are now officially in the holiday season, so just a quick reminder to keep your eye on your podcast app, because this year we are releasing our Sorta Awesome gift guide for 2017 to all of the awesomes, and that will happen very soon, but our super awesome listener supporters have access to that group episode right now. One of the perks of becoming a listener supporter of Sorta Awesome is occasional early access to episodes as well as being able to listen to all of the episodes we have released for our supporters in the past year. To find out more about how to become a supporter, you can go over to SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support and you'll find all of the details there. Well, here we are, episode 122 of Sorta Awesome, and today we are doing something that, believe it or not, we have not ever done before. We are celebrating all things Thanksgiving. I am so very thankful to be joined by my dear friend and lovely co-host and bringer of all of the things that are awesome in the food and cooking department, Kelly Gordon. Hi, Kelly. Hey, Meg. Hey, Awesomes. It's so happy to be here for Thanksgiving. I know. Isn't it crazy that we have never had an episode just dedicated to Thanksgiving? It is a little bit crazy, yet I think this is the perfect time because I'm imagining all the awesomes listening to this podcast either the weekend before, obviously, like if they listen to it right away, or even as we start to get into that busy season of traveling or cooking or buying things. So we just hope this episode keeps you company in this holiday week. And it'll be so fun to talk about all sorts of different aspects I know. I know. We're going to talk food. We're going to talk recipes. We're going to talk about both the hosting aspect of it as well as being a guest. Basically, how we can all come together to bring the awesome to our Thanksgiving gatherings. And we're going to get to all of that in just a minute. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. It's the moment in the show when we get to share with you all the books, the TV shows, the podcast, music, whatever it is that's making our life a little bit more awesome this week. Kelly, I can't wait to hear what you have. 
Oh, Meg and Awesomes, I have something for you that I hope you love as much as I do. It is a TV show, but it is only on the web. It is web-based. It's a six-part series, and it's called, a.k.a. Wyatt Snack. Okay. Okay. So some of you may know Wyatt Snack. He is a very accomplished comedian and writer. He has his own show. He has won several Emmys and a Writers Guild of America Award for his work on The Daily Show. He's a really strong comedian who has a little bit of a grumpy side. Okay, so that's who he is. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, but here's what the show is. The show is kind of a superhero show set in Brooklyn. Oh, interesting. Tell me more. He plays a character called the Viceroy. And it's kind of a Batman character, only it's set in Brooklyn, almost by way of Portlandia, though. If you know Portlandia in that show, the quirkiness and the tongue-in-cheekness of it, it is that, okay? So like Batman, the Viceroy fights crime without superpowers, okay? But he does have a small, loyal team of allies, and he wants to protect the city he loves. But unlike Batman, Viceroy doesn't have any athletic ability or money. (laughs) Perfect. We don't really know his origin story. In fact, in an interview, Wyatt said that he might get into that at some point, but he really started, I think, the first episode that we get to see is titled, like, number 841, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like in the series of the Viceroy. But all we know is that he does love Brooklyn, and he wants to protect it and keep it safe. But what he's kind of finding out that as he goes out there to fight crime, he's kind of unintentionally making it better for hipsters to move into the area and gentrification to happen. (laughs) Perfect. I'm in love with this show. I've never seen a single second of it. I'm obsessed already. It's so funny. You know, like he doesn't really (laughs) want to make the neighborhood safe for artisanal mustard stores, which there is one. But at the same time, he wants to protect his community. So there are so many different topics in this show, you know, It touches, of course, on gentrification and on race. He's so funny, and he's just a little bit grumpy and quirky that it's a really fun, and his friends, of course, it's a really, really fun watch. Six episodes, 20 minutes-ish each. You could watch it, like binge it in one day, which is pretty much what I did. I think I did save the last episode because I was enjoying it so much. I wanted to just hold on to it. Question for you. Can we play since it's online, a 15-minute clip. It's like the intro of the very first Mm -hmm. episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just really can't explain it enough. I want you guys to hear in his own words, this is the very beginning of the very first episode. We want to play for you just a short clip of AKA Wyatt Sedak. Done in by a bicycle thief and a weak ankle. If this is the end for the Viceroy, come get me. Viceroy, you have to get up. I don't wanna. I think I hurt my back. Just come get me. Okay, I've alerted the police that you've apprehended the head of the Bushwick bike theft ring. You don't want them to find you like that, right? It'd ruin the myth of the Viceroy. I don't even know why I come to Bushwick. This place sucks. Oh, I'm sorry that criminals don't operate in places that are more convenient for you. So, I think you can hear a little bit of the wry humor. That he has Uh and how really for him, again, we don't know how and why the Viceroy started. This isn't just like a passion project anymore, though. It's almost like his job. You know, he's a little bit like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't really want to go to work today fighting crime. (laughs) It stinks. 
But really, what I love about this show, besides just the humor, is that I love the Viceroy. His character, he's so grumpy, but he's so good-hearted. Like, even when he doesn't know why he's fighting crime, why he's sticking up for the city he loves, he continues to do so. And he's right. really loyal to his friends. He's almost always the good guy. One of the episodes later in the season... There's a woman who's having a battle with her toddler on the street. He doesn't want to go home, you know, and he's like shouting at her. And she's like, fine. And, he, and she stops in, on the stairs in front of where he's just sitting in front of his building. And, and she's like, fine, I'm leaving. Bye bye. I'm leaving. And the little boy's like, I'm not going. And so she walks away. Uh-huh. And he's sitting there like, she just <laughs> left this kid with me. But he doesn't leave. Like, he's annoyed. He's like, what? What is happening here? And the little boy ends up sitting down and he's screaming and he's trying to reason him with them and finally like falls asleep on the sidewalk. But like he's annoyed as any of us would be. But at the same time, he doesn't leave. He stays and says, I will stay here and watch to make sure this little boy is safe, even though I'm annoyed with the whole situation. So it's a charming show. You could binge it in one day if you just need a little escapism, especially over the holidays. This is your show, a.k.a. Wyatt Snack. We'll link to it. You're not going to find it on Netflix or anything. It's produced by Topic, which is a brand launched by First Look Media. So you're not going to be able to find it except for online. But we'll link to it in the show notes. Oh, my gosh. Kelly, you and I share a strong attraction to grumpy but good-hearted men. So (laughs) I'm going to leave that right there. (laughs) But oh, my goodness, it's true. This one is one of the grumpiest and good-heartedest. Oh, good. I cannot wait to check it out. I'm telling you, I'm totally in already just from this little taste that you've given us. So, so fun. Okay, well, my awesome of the week this week is actually one that I have been meaning to talk about on the show literally for months. But I think the time is right now to share it because I have finally found you guys the best concealer, especially under eye concealer, and I've tried them all. <laughs> so you speak from experience. I, this has yes. the Meg Teeth sort of awesome stamp of approval. Total stamp of approval. I really have tried so many under eye concealers. Not only do I have under eye circles that tend to, I guess my, I don't know. I'm sure it's not unique to me. But when, you know, I'm overly tired, not getting enough rest, I get really pronounced under eye circles. But also just genetically, I just have them yes. normally. So I really have tried every concealer out there. This one has changed my life. It's called Shape Tape Contour Concealer. It's by Tarte Cosmetics. Now, this is not a new product. This is one that probably lots of awesomes are like, yeah, totally. I've been using this for years. It's not like it's new on the market. But I just found out about it this past June when my sister Emily, who helps me navigate the world of beauty products, she was here in town for my 40th birthday. When she is here, we share makeup bags always, even though we're like middle-aged women. (laughs) We act like teenagers over our makeup bags. (laughs) And so she was like, you have to try this concealer. It will change your life. And I was like, eh, all right. I mean, I'll try it. But also it's a contour concealer. And I don't do all of that, you know, like Kardashian style contouring. I don't do any of that. I don't have time for that. And she's like, no, 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 don't worry about the name. It's not just for contouring. It's really just a concealer and it's awesome. But she was like, you have to look at me. She's like, serious eyes. A little goes a long way. And she was so right on both accounts. First of all, it has totally changed my life. And secondly, so true. A little dab of it goes such a long way, which is a good thing because it's $27. 
okay. per like little container of it. I mean, it's not little. It's a, it's a normal size beauty product. $27. It's a little bit of an investment. So if you are going to go check it out, I strongly suggest if you can get to an Ulta or a Sephora or somewhere that carries Tarte Cosmetics to try on both the shade that you need and then also to see if it's a consistency that you like. Some people don't like that heavy coverage or don't need heavy coverage from their concealer. I totally do. But you definitely want to try and see what shade is going to be a good match for your skin. But Kelly, it is so awesome. You put it on, again, a little dot will work. And then I use my fingertip on my ring finger. And just my sister was like, you just have to pat it in. Just tap it, tap it, tap it. And it will eventually kind of like smooth out, even out. It's really very concentrated and thick. And so you have to really, I'm just... Honestly, putting on the under eye concealer is like the most time I spend in my sort of five minute daily beauty routine, but it's totally worth it because once you get it on, it's done for the day and you don't have to touch it up. You don't have to even think about that. You could totally use it on blemishes too, occasional blemish, whatever, if you have acne scars or anything else that you'd like a little extra good staying power coverage for. The Tarte Shape Tape Concealer is... It's going to be your go-to. Totally changed my life. I hope that you all will find it to be awesome as well. So those are our awesomes of the week. Don't forget that every single Friday in our sort of awesome hangout group, we open up the floor to hear your awesomes of the week. You can find us over on Facebook at facebook.com groups slash sort of awesome hangout. And I cannot wait to hear what is awesome in your life this week. Awesomes, I'm telling you, I want to be the kind of mom who has a big, nutritious breakfast ready for my kids when they wake up for school every morning. The reality is that they are lucky to get a piece of peanut butter toast on our way out the door. That's a huge reason why I'm so excited that support for this episode of Sorta Awesome is brought to you by Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest sends nutrient-rich superfoods straight to your door, and they make it crazy easy to prepare smoothies or breakfast bowls for anyone in the family in just 30 seconds. Each Daily Harvest cup, like the cinnamon protein and banana overnight oats, comes ready to blend or to heat. Daily Harvest is super serious about freezing all of their ingredients at peak freshness, sealing in their awesome nutritional value. Their produce is organic and unrefined. It's definitely not what you're getting at your local grocery store. So to see for yourself why everyone's loving Daily Harvest, go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code AWESOME to get three items free in your first box. That's promo code AWESOME for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Daily-harvest.com. Thank you to Daily Harvest. Okay, well, like I said at the top of the show, we have never done a dedicated Thanksgiving episode. We have talked about all things wonderful for fall. We've talked about holidays, but we've never really sat down and said, let's celebrate Thanksgiving. But Kelly, I know we say this kind of every year. I genuinely feel like this is the most I have really ever noticed it. Thanksgiving seems to become more and more overlooked every year. Mm-hmm. It hit me like a ton of bricks this year. I had to run to the local big box store on actual Halloween day to pick up a last minute Halloween thing. The shopping strip where this big box store was, there were men out hanging the wreaths and the lights on Halloween day for Christmas. And listen, I love Christmas. Who doesn't? Well, Kelly does it, but... <laughs> <laughs> No, I just don't want to start this early. It's the same thing. I know, exactly. 
So I was like, this is the year. We are going to stop everything. We are going to talk about how to have an amazing Thanksgiving together. So let's do this. Kelly, you are the person to talk to because you were just telling me before we started recording, how many years have you been hosting? You yourself have been hosting Thanksgiving for how many years? I don't know exactly, but it's probably close to 20 years that I have hosted Thanksgiving. I don't really remember the last time I have been somewhere else outside of my house for Thanksgiving. That's amazing to me. And so definitely, (laughs) yes. It's normal to me. It's normal for you. Yeah, is that amazing? Most people just go places. Right. It's totally normal for you. I can only imagine how wonderfully you put together a Thanksgiving meal for everybody, hosting family, I'm sure both sides of the family coming in. We have, as I've thought back over our history together, Kyle and I've been married for almost 20 years, the first more than half of our married life, Kyle was coaching college football. And so he would still be in season for almost all of those years. So I would end up traveling to family by myself, or we would just have a Thanksgiving team dinner together, like the coaches and families and the team. So I have only hosted... I don't know, maybe five or six times. So I'm definitely more comfortable with being the guest. I'll just show up at your door with a bottle of wine and let's party (laughs) kind of thing. And I don't even know how that would feel. And I will say that what you just described isn't unfamiliar to me only because I would say the first 10-ish plus years of that was hosting for friends. Mm. So it just happened to be that we had the biggest house. Yes. So it wasn't that I was necessarily the big hostess who made all the food and you know set the table. It was very casual. People brought food depending on the year, how many people came. You know, So it was really just that we had a house that worked. And so many of our friends were transient like us. This is when we lived in San Diego. And so we just went home for Thanksgiving. We just went home for Christmas for most of us. We didn't have the money to go for both holidays. So we decided, hey, we'll open up our house. And that's how it started. So amazing. I love it. I love it. So I cannot wait to hear some of what this amazing wisdom that you have to share with us from having done this so many years. I'm sure you could do it with your eyes closed at this point. Let's talk menu first, because for me, I think that that's definitely the highlight is getting down to the food. Are you a traditionalist when it comes to planning the Thanksgiving dinner? I am. And here's what's happened is that, of course, at the beginning, like I said, I didn't always have all these dishes that I wanted to make or it was very piecemeal. People brought things. I'm not even sure that we discussed it beforehand. We just kind of trusted that the Thanksgiving gods would make the right things show up on the buffet. But what's happened the last 10 years or so since I've hosted really made the food is I have found a menu that is my favorite thing. And in fact, I wrote about it on my blog many years ago, and I called it a symphonic Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, Because I couldn't think of a better word to describe where I feel like if I miss one of these, something is off in the whole meal. You know, like they all play a part, just like different instruments in a symphony. So they really add together make a perfect meal for me. So I will tell you what is in that meal. Okay. I will also tell you that, well, there's some quirks in it. So, of course, turkey. Although, I will say, I don't even like turkey. Okay. I want to put a pin in that and come back to it. Okay, so you do a turkey. What's your favorite? Are you like a turkey roaster? Do you guys have a turkey fryer? What are you doing these days with the turkey? Nope, I just do a turkey roaster. I don't have a fryer, so I've never been able to try that. If I had one available to me, it would be fun to try. But mostly I just roast a turkey. I do, one year I did brine my turkey, and it was probably the best turkey I'd ever had. 
Brining a turkey, a wet brine, is a lot of work. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically what you're doing is you're taking a lot of different spices and sugars and salt, and you're dissolving them in water, and then you're soaking your turkey in this, letting it really marinate for like a day, Mm -hmm. a day and a half. Mm -hmm. So it takes up a lot of room in your fridge. You need to get a bag for it. It's time consuming. If you have the ability to do that, it will make your turkey go from kind of boring meat to, oh my word, I actually really like this. This this has kind of changed your life sort of turkey. Oh, good. Okay. So since that time, I have found there's a lot of places now, but Trader Joe's sells brined turkeys already in the bag. Like they're in a bag of brine, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very light brine. Mm -hmm. So that to me is a substitute that's worthy. It's not as good as a self-brined turkey. It's not as dry as a turkey that doesn't have any brine at all. Mm -hmm. But there's no work, right? I'm just picking it up at Trader Joe's and buying it. I don't have to do all the brining. So that's what I do. And then I follow my favorite kitchen cook anywhere, Alton Brown. Yes. He has a great guide to how to cook a turkey. And in fact, we'll link to them, but there are some recipe videos. They, they made these probably 10 or 12 years ago. But they're so funny and yet very, very true about how you should cook a turkey. Especially people lots of times will say, oh, well, you need to cook it many hours. Slow cook that turkey. No, that just ruins the turkey. So I will let him explain why you need to do that. But it's great. He has the recipe in these videos. It has five stars almost 3,500 reviews last time I checked. You know, so this is a tried and true, really simple, basic turkey. So that's what I do. I will make a gravy that goes with it. It will be usually a white wine gravy, or I will have my mom come and do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's always a great backup solution to have on hand, yes. My mom makes great gravy, and it's one of those things that has to be done right before the meal, so we'll get to that. That's not my favorite way to cook on Thanksgiving, so we'll get to that in a minute, but I'll sometimes do that. Of course, mashed potatoes, I think, are necessary for Thanksgiving. Like, that's a dish that if it wasn't on the sideboard, I'm not sure if it would be Thanksgiving. And I don't really think you can beat the Pioneer Woman's recipe Mm, for mashed potatoes. So true. Yes. And one of the other things I love about it, and actually this whole menu that I'm giving you right now, this will lead into the next segment, I think, but is all of this stuff, except for the turkey and the gravy, can be made the day before. Oh, good. I like that for sure. Yeah. And I like it too. And I like to cook. And I think that this is the best of both worlds because I can make it all on a day when there isn't a lot going on and really enjoy it. And then it's all ready for Thanksgiving Day and you're really just reheating things. And so the Pioneer Woman's mashed potatoes, if you guys have not made them before, they are completely decadent. They have tons of butter. They have cream cheese in them. They really hold up well to a reheating. In fact, I might venture to say they're almost better reheated Mm -hmm. and you put butter on top of them so that's what I make I make something called roasted harvest vegetables Mm -hmm. so this is like my orange side dish it is sweet potatoes carrots butternut squash and garlic oh yeah that sounds great yes and you throw it all in a pan you know olive oil salt and pepper and roast it the aroma alone can make Men weep and women drool to the point that they need more concealer. Perfect. I love that. That was a great, it is, great callback. It is so good. So it's really simple. Again, very, very simple sort of a thing. I don't want to do it on Thanksgiving, so I do it the day before and then I can just real quick heat it up. And, you know, all those vegetables get caramelized. It's funny because it's one of my favorite things. And I was just talking to my sister this week and we were saying maybe we're going to change up the menu this year. And she's like, oh, but please make that. Make yes. this roasted vegetables and I was like really you like that too like that's my favorite so it's a really easy great orange very healthy dish 
On this menu, I have a green bean salad. Okay. So this is not your traditional green bean casserole. It mm. kind of plays with those flavors. But what I like about it, and again, this goes back to that symphonic menu, is that these green beans are just blanched and they're a little bit crispy. And then just before you serve them, and you can serve them room temperature, they don't have to be reheated. They're tossed with a light lemon Dijon vinaigrette. Mm. And then you can put some, like if you want to do this yourself, and I recommend you do, but you don't have to, you can do some pan fried shallot circles. You know, so shallots are kind of like a cross between a garlic and an onion. So you could also, though, Trader Joe's does sell some crispy fried onions. So there's some years I'm like, that's going to be my go-between. What I like about that, of course, is that this is a green, bright, fresh tasting side dish. It's not heavy. It is crispy. It goes so well with everything else. I love cranberry sauce. That's my favorite part of Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So I have a really easy homemade Cranberry sauce, we call it zesty cranberry sauce, but it's really just like cranberry, sugar, orange juice, orange peel, and cinnamon. Nice. I make a big, big thing of that because then I like it like for a long time. I eat it on a lot of different sandwiches. I'll even put it on my oatmeal, but that's wonderful. And again, you've got that tart, sweet, mm. you know, red. Yes, love so the tart. pretty thing. And yes. then I make rolls. So I make just homemade rolls, and this is my, my family's favorite part of Thanksgiving. I think last year I made 72 crescent rolls. Oh, wow. Because That's a lot of cans to pop. <laughs> no, it wasn't cans. It was all homemade. It was oh like my gosh. dough from scratch. You are amazing. And, you know, you made the dough. So I do this the day before, too. So what I've done, if anybody bakes, this is like details, but I, so I'm not going to get into all of it. But if you bake, you can make this dough. It's an egg-based bread dough, you know, roll dough. And then you roll it out into circles and you spread melted butter on it. And then you roll up the circles like you would, you know, a crescent roll. You cut them with a pizza pie cutter into 12. And then what I do is I put them on a baking sheet, put more butter on top, and then I freeze them and I don't let them rise. And so I do bake them on Thanksgiving Day. I take them out of the oven like an hour before we're going to eat. As they're thawing, they puff up. You're a cook genius. Them fresh rolls. So my family likes this so much. Like I said, I made 72 rolls. And, you know, even then, my daughter and husband were standing over the bread basket, like doling them out to people like you can have one. When you've eaten that, you can come back. <laughs> so rolls, big roll deal. Line. It was. They're like, and then they like hoard them, you know, they like want them for breakfast and things like that afterwards. But so I that's want them for breakfast. Those sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. And this year, we might do something different. So that's, I want to hear what you do, Meg. But this year, we are hosting the most people I've hosted in a very long time, almost 25 people. And so because of that, this menu that I just read you guys might change. And I'm feeling good about it because I've told my family, if there is something that you like that I have traditionally made for Thanksgiving for the last, you know, every year, we will just do that on another day so that I don't have to feel like, oh, that's so, so controlled good. over it. Yes, that's so smart. So it's easier then because what's happened, of course, is I like to cook and I like this menu. So people will say, what can I bring? And I'm like, nothing. You will disrupt the symphony. <laughs> you can bring wine, an appetizer, uh-huh. fruit for the kids. Yeah. But like, I've got it. Yes. So we've got too many people this year for me to say I've got it. So we're going to disrupt a little yeah. bit. But that's traditionally what I do. And then, of course, I have a pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. It is vegetables. 
in pie yeah. form, right? Yes. What's not to love? What's not to love? And then we often get an apple pie from the orchard that's down the street from us, which is kind of a fun thing. So, you know, it's pretty traditional. What about you? So here's a question that I have to lead into you talking about what you cook or what you like for Thanksgiving. Something that is not on my traditional list is mac and cheese. Uh-huh, and I've heard mine. that's very similar. <laughs> Sorry, I've heard that's really common in yeah. a lot of parts of the country. And that's not yeah. common where I grew up. So is that something that you have? What do you have? It's on my list for sure as a sometimes side dish. When we host here, I often do make mac and cheese just because I love mac and cheese. My youngest sister lived in South Carolina for a couple of years and like it's not just an optional side dish. It is right. a mainstay on the Thanksgiving buffet for sure. And of course, it's fun to do, like, I think it's fun to do a homemade from scratch cheese sauce for a mac and cheese. You can make it fancy. You can make it more grown up. And I love for my kids to experience that as opposed to Annie's organic right. mac and cheese, which is what they think mac and cheese is, which is, you know, the only mac and cheese they've known besides having fancy Thanksgiving Day mac and cheese. Right. I tried to make some homemade mac and cheese this weekend for my kids, and my daughter was so upset with me. Like, this is not, why are you ruining mac and cheese? And I'm like, I'm just trying to find one that's not so chemical. And she's like, Mom, like, that is mac and cheese. Yes. Like, oh, how please. dare you? Yes. How dare you? Mess so you with do mac make and mac and cheese. Yes. Yeah, so I heard that that's very, very traditional in many parts of the country. Sometimes, sometimes. So, okay, we have two different approaches when we host. My husband hates turkey in any form. He doesn't like poultry in general. It's a theme at our house. We don't eat a lot of poultry. He hates turkey. But when we're hosting everybody, he will accommodate most often. We can't do this this year. But most often he has done a sausage stuffed smoked turkey. Okay. Which I forgot to ask. Do you do stuffing or... Um... Oh, I don't put it in the turkey. That's one of Alton right. Brown's like cardinal yeah. rules is that you shouldn't put that in the turkey because of how it changes the temperature and the way the turkey sure. cooks. Yeah. I will sometimes have done like a stuffing or a dressing. I guess you call dressing. it dressing if it's mm-hmm. not actually in the turkey. Yeah. But... That one kind of comes and goes on my menu, depending on who's around. So he did a sausage. Did he stuff it in the turkey or he made it on the side? He does like a pre-cooked sausage of some kind, Mm -hmm. stuffs it, and then he would do the whole thing, like shove the whole thing into a smoker and smoke it. Mm. So that was delicious. However, we have in our marriage burned through, literally burned through two smokers. We just smoke a lot of meat. And so we are without a smoker right now. So we've been deliberating and I'll get back to that. But he hates turkey, but that was a good compromise. So when we've done a traditional Thanksgiving menu, we would do some kind of smoked turkey. So did he eat just the dressing, you know, like just the sausage and let other people eat the turkey? Or did the fact that it was stuffed? Okay. Okay. Yeah, he would basically, I think he might have had like a sliver of the turkey, but mostly ate the sausage for sure. So that's, you know, he's always looking for like sort of non-traditional ways to do turkey if he's going to have to do turkey. Mashed potato wise. This is a tradition my sister started when we still lived at home because we have been playing around and cooking in the kitchen for a long time. She came up with a mashed potato casserole. So it's mashed potatoes as the base, but then it has like cream cheese and cheddar cheese and sour cream, chives. You can crumble some bacon on top and it makes a big pan that you can both serve at the dinner. And it's so yummy for leftovers as well. When we were growing up, 
my mom made the sweet potato casserole, which I don't know if this is a regional thing or not. She made sweet potato casserole that was topped with that layer of marshmallows. Yes. No, is I grew up thing? with that. Okay. But, you know, my mom grew up in Kentucky. So there's some things that I don't know where they came from exactly. Right. So, yeah, that was very traditional. That Oh, those gooey marshmallows. So gooey. And she'd turn on the broiler at the end, yep. you know, and give him a nice brown crust across the top. My mom grew up in Kansas. So, again, I don't know if that's sort of a Midwestern thing. That was good, and it's very nostalgic for me, but it's a little sweet for me. In Oklahoma, maybe just in this part of the country, it's not Thanksgiving unless pecans show up somewhere, somehow. So I have done a maple pecan-topped sweet potato casserole, which is very delicious and very simple. It's just like maple syrup and pecans and some, you know, a flour of some kind. We use almond flour, but you just put it over the top of your regular sweet potato casserole and then you bake it all together and it's quite delicious. And are your sweet potatoes for the sweet potato casserole, are they like mashed up or are they chunked, just cooked sweet potatoes? When I make them, I do it like a traditional like pureed sweet potato. Now, my sister-in-law does baked sweet potatoes in the oven and I don't know what she does. She's always like, I just, you know, I just do the thing. I just throw them in the oven. Her baked sweet or roasted sweet potatoes, but they're like intact. You know, they're not chopped or whatever. They're delicious, and I love when she brings those every year because they're so good. But if I'm doing them, I go ahead and do like this sort of sweet potato puree and traditional with a little twist with the maple pecan topping. Okay, another thing that's a little bit similar but different. You have your roasted orange vegetables, which Mm -hmm. sounds amazing. We usually do a roasted Brussels sprout dish because, I mean, I just love Brussels sprouts. I didn't... I'm like, I didn't discover them until I was an adult, and now I'm like, we should eat Brussels sprouts all the time when they're roasted. They're so... Good. So we'll do like a bacon and cheese Brussels sprout. So it's, you know, your regular roasted Brussels sprouts. And then you could either roast, just throw into the pan as they're roasting some bacon. Or you could, it depends on if you like a crispy bacon or not. You could crisp some up in a skillet and then do like Parmesan cheese with them. Toss it all together. That sounds Not the grated kind, like the actual, like, you know, your shredded Parmesan that you shred yourself kind of Parmesan cheese. So good. I do have mac and cheese on here. Again, that's one that I always like. Nobody in my family on either side of the family is like totally like that's not a necessity for them. So I'll make it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it is a lot of work. A lot of these casseroles I do like because you can assemble them ahead of time, the day ahead, a couple of days ahead. That sweet potato casserole you could do like even a week ahead. And keep it in there. And then you're just tossing things in the oven. And especially because Kyle, we hardly, I can't even remember if we've ever actually roasted a turkey ourselves. So the turkey is not taking up the oven, you know, the whole day. And so that's always fun. Cranberry sauce wise, I wanted to mention this. I've talked about this on the show before that the beginning of that the stretch of time from Thanksgiving to Christmas is cheesecake season in our house when oh, that's right. Yes. Kyle gets out all the cheesecake. I mean, there's cream cheese. He does like a white chocolate cheesecake, all different kinds of cheesecake. But one of his favorite things to do, especially for Thanksgiving is to do a cheesecake for dessert. And then he does like a bourbon cranberry sauce as the topping for the cheesecake. So 
Okay, so is it a regular cheesecake or is it a pumpkin It's just regular. He does like a really great dry, crumbly, sort of New York style cheesecake. And then we do the cranberry sauce on top to give you that little bit of cranberry-ness. My mother-in-law usually brings a pecan pie, homemade pecan pie. So we definitely have the spread of pies. I love pies so much. It's my favorite time of the year when everybody's bringing a pie to everything, but... Yeah, Preach. Kyle's cheesecakes are also very hard to turn down. So now yeah. that's our traditional menu. But because Kyle doesn't like turkey, we have done in the past and may do this a little bit this year, too. We'll do like steak and twice baked potatoes, like a big feast style dinner, but no turkey. <laughs> yeah, we have never not done a turkey. We just grumble about how many leftovers yes. we have to eat. So I feel like it's wrong. I feel like there was an Everybody Loves Raymond episode where she made a fish for Thanksgiving and everybody was like, this ruined the entire holiday. Well, I know. Yeah, that's probably what our family's going to be saying this year, too. We're doing a delayed, we're hosting a delayed Thanksgiving dinner this year where we're bringing in sides of the family that are getting together with other people on Thanksgiving Day. So we're going to do a small Thanksgiving dinner with our family. But then Kyle is making a turkey and sausage jambalaya to serve. (gasps) at our day after Thanksgiving because again people are going to be like we just had a whole bunch of turkey yesterday so let's don't do that again but he's kind of playing with the turkey thing and reinventing some other way to do turkey this year so right well and I have to say this because maybe the awesomes can give me some ideas since the show will come out and then we can discuss it in the hangout group but because I'm throwing regular menu up in the air a little bit I'm still a little not quite sure what I want to make or what we want people to bring. So you mentioned Brussels sprouts. I have a recipe for a grated or shredded Brussels sprout salad that's kind of a crispy. It's almost like a coleslaw, but then it's got like cranberries or apples or that sort of thing. Wild rice dishes of some sort that will often have nuts in them, kind of a salad. It could be cold. It could be hot. Are very traditional up here, but I would love to hear awesomes. I really think that the sides are my favorite part of Thanksgiving. You know, those are the things that I really want to eat. So we need to have a good discussion about your favorite sides and really see what all the options are before I make my final call. I 1000% agree with that, that it's all about the sides at Thanksgiving. It really is. And the desserts. (laughs) And the desserts. And the pie. (laughs) Right. I hear you. Okay. Well, this is so interesting. So you've been hosting for a long time. I'm just curious If you have some tips or tricks or even little hacks that you've picked up along the way, I do love the fact that you have figured out for yourself, unless you're hosting a huge crowd like this here, that you like, I've got the food under control. Please don't feel like you have to bring anything. And you kind of mentioned some things that you like to prep ahead. What else have you discovered through the years that make it work to host everybody for Thanksgiving Day? Really making all the food the day ahead at least all the food that I can make, except for the turkey. That changed Thanksgiving for me. It went from being this really stressful day where you're doing all this stuff and people are arriving and you're still cooking and trying to manage it to being something that I could really enjoy the cooking part and that I could really enjoy being with the people part. A few of the things that I've picked up, I would say if you have kids, especially young children at your Thanksgiving dinner, Maybe thinking about a few of the dishes through their eyes. A lot of kids don't like casserole sort of stuff. It just freaks them out. So we have done just a veggie tray or just a bowl of fruit, you know, bowl of grapes, something like that, so that they're not going, I don't want that, I don't want that. You know, like they're eating turkey in a roll and maybe mashed potatoes. So thinking about all of your guests and who would be there and making sure that everybody has something to eat. 
I would say probably my favorite hack, and this really has to do with seating mm-hmm. people, you know, to seat everybody. We don't even have that big of a room that everybody's going to fit in. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go this year. <laughs> we'll see. But what we have done is we take our kitchen table and then we line it up with a like folding table that we have in our garage. And then we line it up with an old kitchen table and we just kind of go this really mishmashy table sort of thing with random folding chairs and chairs we pull from desks and that sort of thing. So the one thing that I can do to try to make it kind of unified and pretty is I get a big roll of white paper, mine is from Ikea, and I roll it down the entire middle of all the tables and I tape it on the ends. And that's kind of my centerpiece unifying thing. And then on top of that, I can put candles. If someone brings me flowers, I can put acorns and leaves that the kids pick up, things like that to try to make it look pretty, even though it's not really pretty. You know, I don't have, everybody's not going to have a matching place setting and all of the beautiful tablescaping that some people can do. So if you don't have the ability to seat everybody and make it look like a Pottery Barn Mm -hmm. catalog, that's one little hack that that I have found. I like that. I think one of the best hacks or tricks that I have found kind of goes back to my teaching days in that I like to create centers around outside of the kitchen because we don't have a very big kitchen and people of course migrate in there and they want to talk and chit chat and that's fine but it gets really crowded and really hot in there really quickly really hot so Mm -hmm. to set up like centers like to have a card table with either board games or actual cards or dominoes sitting out usually in Oklahoma Thanksgiving week is temperate and mild enough to where kids can go out in the backyard and we'll just be like everybody outside (laughs) it's time to eat you know, just have like little stations where people can do things that will give them something to do, even if it's, you know, watching a Thanksgiving Day Parade or whatever, give them something to do so that all of the, you know, things that are happening in the kitchen can happen without anybody getting burned by, you know, a casserole floating through the air or whatever, that we can keep people entertained while we're doing things has been a good way to kind of yeah, that's really smart. I love that. We try to house, send people so. outside. In fact, I didn't ask. This is a big question. When do you eat in the day? Do you eat early or do you eat late? Right. So we are very traditional in that it's usually an early afternoon, kind of in the one to two range, which I kind of feel like is where a lot of people do. I don't know a lot of people that do Thanksgiving dinner in the evening, but I know that's obviously totally an option. And some people do it like, let's all skip breakfast and we'll just have our big meal at like 11 or something. So, but I think, I feel like we're usually early afternoon people. How about you guys? Right. We've been more early evening, but we might again be changing that this year just to kind of mix it up. Mm. And I think that having something to do, what no matter when you eat, you know, so we sometimes will say, well, we're going to eat at five, but come at two and we will do this and we will go for a walk. I think getting outside, it's not as temperate always in Minnesota at Thanksgiving. But that's kind of one of my goals every Thanksgiving is to take anybody who wants to go, even if it's just for a 20-minute walk outside just to get some fresh air, burn off some of that kid energy. But I love your idea of having stations, and that's really what we need to do in our house since we don't have one big great room, is set up some things to do in each area where people might be sitting. That's smart. Well, usually works, especially when you've got kids running around, which... 
kind of leads into this next thing of when you show up at somebody else's house as a guest, which you were saying is not your usual Thanksgiving experience. I have a lot of experience with that. And one thing that always comes to mind for us is like how to handle any food issues or dietary issues, which can get really tricky, especially if this is family that you don't you know, if you're only getting together a few times a year, they may either not know about a dietary thing or a food thing that you've got going on. And so it can be a little bit tricky to figure out how to handle that. There's a couple of schools of thought. We tend to fall into the camp of, even though we don't generally eat a lot of gluten around our house because we just have some people that are gluten sensitive, not true celiac disease, but just sensitive tummies when it comes to gluten. Even though we don't usually eat it, when we're guests at somebody else's table, we're just like, just eat, enjoy, enjoy what has been prepared and just go with it. And, you know, maybe we'll have a little Pepto on hand for later, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, it's since for us, we have the luxury, I suppose, the privilege right. of being, you know, like, oh, well, we'll just make it work and it'll be fine. For other people, though, I know that there isn't that luxury. Like if there's true food allergies that are working, that or if you have a person in your family who has some serious textural issues, sensory issues, then it can get a little tricky. I think if I was hosting and somebody had to bring along like a little bit of, you know, maybe like a separate side dish or something, I would be totally fine with that. I mean, I think that there are some people who might be offended by it, but in my view, like anything that would help them be comfortable and enjoy the meal together because that's really what it's about it's not really about like oh my gosh i'm an amazing cook everybody come enjoy this it's about getting to enjoy a meal together and if having a special side dish for somebody that's got some food issues going on makes it more comfortable and accommodating it seems to me like that's a great solution right and i think that from the hosting point of view if you do have a food allergy and you're going to someone else's thanksgiving Just mentioning it to them, saying, hey, I don't know if you're aware, but I or someone else in my family, we really can't do gluten, we really can't do eggs, whatever it is. Can I bring something? You know, starting with that, say, is it okay? I was thinking maybe I would bring XYZ, this dish, if that's all right. And you might even find out that your host would say, well, I would love to accommodate that. I was going to make something really similar. I'll just take out the flour and substitute almond flour. That's easy. You know, so at least for me as a host, I would be more than willing to try to accommodate people. But if they want to just bring something, of course, I'm more than willing for them to bring a side dish that's going to make them, like you said, feel comfortable and be able to enjoy the meal. Well, I was going to ask you too, as somebody who hosts a lot, are there good things that guests can bring? I mean, definitely if you've got some food issues going, that's one thing to ask about. But other ideas about what to bring, especially for someone like you who kind of has been <laughs> That's okay. You can say it controlling. <laughs> but if you don't want to show <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I was not going to say that. <laughs> it can come across that way sometimes a little bit where I'm just like, I just want to do what I want to do, people. <laughs> right. Well, but if people don't want to show up empty handed, what are some things that you could offer to bring if you are a guest for somebody's Thanksgiving dinner? Yes, I would say I had my sister-in-law bring me a big bouquet of flowers one year. 
kind of unannounced. And it's a two-sided sword. So that particular year, we were having a very small Thanksgiving, and I had a lot of time. And so I was able to – I didn't have anything for the table that year that was really pretty. And so I was able to take the time and, you know, deal with the bouquet a little bit and put it into some smaller containers and put it on the table. And it was so pretty. So I was really thankful for that. I think if I was going to advise someone to bring flowers, which I think are always appreciated – Maybe ask your hostess, say, if I brought some flowers for the table, would that be of a help? Because the one thing about flowers, sometimes people bring them and then they have an expectation Mm. that they're going to be used for that meal. And it maybe the host or hostess doesn't have time to deal with it. You're like, they didn't budget that. If someone shows up with this big bouquet of flowers and they're like, here, deal with that now. Um, It can be too much. So asking I think it's always fine to ask, can I bring flowers? And if they say, oh, you know what? I've really, I am a tablescaper. I've got the whole thing planned out. Well, then, you know, you could bring them a little houseplant if you want to, or just bring them some flowers already in a vase and say, it's just for you to enjoy, to say thank you. I think flowers or some living thing like that is always a sweet thing. I think wine, a lot of people will bring a bottle of wine. Again, I think if you can go one step above and ask, hey, I was thinking about bringing some wine. Is there something that you would want? either to serve or to have, then you're asking. A lot of times the hostess will say, bring whatever you want. Like, it's fine. We'll serve it or, you know, we'll keep it. It's not Mm -hmm. a big deal. But I think it doesn't ever hurt to ask. Yeah. If you're bringing a dish, this is a big one for me because I've learned the bad way. Bring everything that you need to serve that dish. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So true. It's a little easy thing for people to forget. But then I'm like, I only have so many, you know, serving utensils, so many spoons. And when we have so many dishes, lots of times I've already used all of mine. So then we're using like soup spoons, you know, to try to (laughs) serve the mashed potatoes. (laughs) Definitely. And it's not a big deal, obviously. In the long run, no one cares. But if you have them at home, write yourself a little note to bring the spatula, to bring the soup spoon, to bring the ladle, whatever you would need. And then, of course, take them home at the end of the night. Here's a really big one. I haven't had anybody do this yet because I haven't thought about it. But if you really want to bring something practical, and again, you may want to check with your host beforehand, maybe bring containers for people to take home leftovers in. Oh, that's so smart. If your host is going to do that, lots of times I'm like, I don't, I have so much food left over because I'm always of the opinion that you want too much rather than too little. And so I would love to send leftovers home with people. Now, in the last few years, I've started to kind of consciously save takeout containers and then I wash them and then we have them so that I can easily send food home with people and then also say, don't return this. Like you don't have to get this back to me. Of course, yeah. But if you as a guest called up your host and said, hey, if you want to send home leftovers, that's something that I could bring. And you could go, you could look on Amazon, you could go to a craft store, you could get even, they have some that look like little food trays, you know, so people can even portion out how they want to do it. That would be such a savings to me, both in time and in energy, knowing that these leftovers could go home in good containers. That is so smart. That awesome? That is, yes, definitely. So That's such a great idea. Yeah, and then of course, the last thing is just, you know, helping while you're there, I think I'm not always good at thinking. I need to be better at thinking at what we could have guests do when they're in our house. So just offering, saying, hey, can I do that for you? Can I stir that after dinner? Can I help with the dishes? If I, you know, rinse or do you have containers that you want to put the food in? Do you want me to parse out the leftovers? Just asking. They might say no, and that's fine, but at least you're present. A lot of us have a hard time asking for help. And Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, you hate to interrupt you know, people talking or the pleasant conversation as dinner's wrapping up. And so just jumping up and saying, hey, can I help? Makes you Mm. a very treasured guest for Thanksgiving. 
I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's a great thing to say to someone who is hosting you. I was going to ask, like, what are some of your favorite things to hear from your guests? I guess maybe because I'm a very words of affirmation oriented person. So I'm always thinking, like, what can I say? I do always try to really, you know, of course, affirm whoever is hosting our crazy family for Thanksgiving. But that's great. You know, like just the idea of like, okay, here, I'm going to help. I'm just going to start clearing the table or how can I help? is so good. Other ideas about like what you love to hear as a hostess of Thanksgiving? Well, since I do a lot of the cooking, I love to hear that people love the food. I mean, I don't mean Mm -hmm. that like you have to say it if it's not good, but I like it when people say, oh, this is so good. This is such a great meal. And I'm often thinking the same thing. Like it's just such a, (laughs) it's a good flavor palette on my tongue. Um, Yes. I think one other thing that I like to hear, and this isn't directly toward me as the host, but I like to hear my guests intermingling with each other and making an effort. Sometimes, like this year, we have a lot of people, well, not a lot, we have a few people that are not in our normal circle. So just Mm -hmm. hearing people make an effort to talk to each other and draw each other Mm -hmm. out in pleasant ways, as we discussed on our show last week about boundaries and family and the holidays, finding those topics that really draw people out, that are inoffensive, that are fun memories, you know, what... Even asking, like, what are the side dishes that you love at Thanksgiving? What did you have growing up? How did you celebrate Thanksgiving? You know, even some of those things. Oh, I'm really thankful for this. What are you thankful for? I love to hear as I'm cooking in the kitchen. It's actually one of my favorite things about any hosting that I do to be just a little bit removed and take a moment of presence and smell everything and listen to the conversation and just, I am then thankful for doing that. So I love to hear people talking. I love that. Oh my gosh, that would be, I just wish I could just be a fly on the wall to see this all unfold in the Gordon house, because I'm sure that it is so magical and so wonderful. So that's so great. There's lots of things that we can do to make Thanksgiving memorable. I think that those conversations are a great way to have a memorable Thanksgiving. They don't always go as planned. And you know what? Our last episode, episode 121, if you haven't listened yet. We have Annie Wright in talking about how to kind of navigate some maybe not so pleasant conversations. So don't forget to listen to that if you haven't already. But I just love that. You know, you're talking about sharing with each other. I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for that. My father-in-law, who passed away in 2013, loved Thanksgiving. It was his favorite holiday. And he always insisted that we go around the table Mm -hmm. and share a thing that we're thankful for. Now, my father-in-law was wildly extroverted. (laughs) like off the charts extrovert. My mother-in-law is an extrovert. So I don't think it ever occurred to them, like this might make some of our more introverted, more quiet people a little uncomfortable. I could see, because I just am tuned into people's sort of dynamics of how they're experiencing a moment. We had some family members that I could see, like it was painful when it got to them to share out loud. It's just family, but still, it was like so painful to share out loud something thankful for the year. Also, sometimes you've had a really bad year and it's hard to like try to summon the thing. So I thought a couple of ways that you could do this differently. If you like that tradition, I'm curious if other families have that tradition of like really intentionally saying out loud, this is a thing I'm thankful for. One idea would be if you just had people write down an index cards, something like a sentence, something that they're thankful for. And then the host or hostesses, or maybe you could even have the kids read out loud. Yes. 
you know, these are the things that we're thankful for this year. And then it's kind of a nice moment. It's a gratitude inspiring moment, but it's not so much pressure on the people who are like, I would really rather not say this in front right. of everybody. In fact, I saw, um, I'm just going to say this in case there's any awesomes out there who sew. This was in Martha Stewart's November 2017 issue. They showed napkins that people sewed tiny little flannel pockets on the front. And then they tucked a little pencil that was like the name card. And so it would say, Karen, I'm thankful for. And then you would pull that little paper out and write on it. And yes, that was exactly the point is that then they would turn them in and some point person would read them out loud. And of course, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But it was so cute. And it kind of doubled as a place card. So I love that idea of taking the pressure off of someone having to speak it. Yes. We'll leave it to Martha Stewart to make it really cute. Yes, to make it cute. <laughs> I was just like, and maybe just like, a little unattainable. Just... <laughs> I'm not going to sew flannel pockets <laughs> on my napkins, but you know, awesomes. If you do it, I want a picture. I want a picture too. I was thinking I would just dig in our like homework drawer and find some, <laughs> some index random... cards that haven't been written on. We'll just erase that. Yes. We'll just erase that. It'll be fine. Just use the other side. The other it's side. fine. <laughs> <laughs> So there's that, but it's so funny that you said you like to cover your whole tablescape with like white paper. I was going to say you could get white paper, butcher paper, put out some fun of like those gel pens that are fun and colorful. If you're not like really particular about the way your table looks, you could put pens on the table and then people as they're, you know, sitting and, you know, maybe they're waiting for dessert or they're just waiting for everyone to be seated. They can just like doodle and write and, you know, like encourage people to write just words, like keywords that they were thankful for. Hashtag, hashtag plus, <laughs> you know, the things that, that they were thankful for for the past year. And so it's bringing to mind the things that we're grateful for, the whole reason that we take a moment and pause and celebrate Thanksgiving. And it takes the pressure off of like a big, especially with a group like 25 people, it may be more just like time efficient just to have people kind of jot down their thoughts instead of having a big round robin sharing. So, but did you have other ideas about how to make the moment memorable? I don't really, mostly because I haven't tried some of these things. So one of the things that I have thought about, kind of like you said, we used to go around the table and share what everyone was thankful for. But, you know, I would say probably a third of our 25 people that are going to be around our table this year are kids. And so they get antsy. You know, it's just hard. You don't want to make a memorable moment painful. (laughs) We're making memories. (laughs) Shush. So I've thought about just saying, hey, if you have something that you want to share, that's maybe a poem or a prayer or something like that, maybe bring it and maybe we'll do it after dinner Mm. so that people aren't, you know, like the food is right there and the kids have been playing and so they're all wound up and maybe we do it just with the adults. I don't know. That's one idea I have so that there's not so much pressure and it opens it up to, to be different expressions and maybe something that you even could prepare in advance so that you've thought about it. But we're going to try this year doing some sort of a family game. I don't know. So we're going to traditions, right? Traditions are part of what make things memorable. So I think the food is a big part of that. But we were like, we just don't do enough. So I've put my older kids in charge of coming up with some sort of a thing that will involve all different ages and stages. There's going to be some trivia. There's going to be some puzzles that the kids are going to have to solve and go and run around the house in the yard to find clues, bring them back to the adults. So we're trying to think that maybe... That will be both memorable, but it also helps the generations to intermix people to talk when they go. I've really covered the topics that I feel are safe. 
to be talking about what they're thankful for and what they like about that grandchild or, you know, what they found. So we're going to try that this year. So I can't speak from experience, Awesomes. I'll check back in with you and let you know how it works. I love the idea of doing something like a treasure hunt and turn the kids loose, like you said, with all that energy and the sugar and all of those things and, you know, kind of bring the adults. Some of them may just want to go sleep in the recliner. (laughs) But the grownups who are up for it, who want to have some fun, I think that is such a great way to do it. So, well, we asked our awesome community to share some of their memorable Thanksgivings from Thanksgivings past. So let's take a moment. I can't wait to hear the voices from our awesomes. I always love this. You guys are amazing and have such great insights. So let's take a moment to hear from you all about some memorable Thanksgivings past. Hey, Awesomes, this is Liz Gossom, and I want to share with you a memorable Thanksgiving. My son was eight months old, and my family, including my 10-year-old, almost 11-year-old stepdaughter, we went to visit my family for Thanksgiving the weekend after, and she ate so much ham, so much ham, all the ham, and then that night, I huddled on the bunk bed I was sleeping on with my eight-month-old pretending to be asleep while she threw up all night long out in the living room and my husband and my dad had to clean it up. This is Gretchen from Indiana. Seven years ago, I hosted my first extended family Thanksgiving. My aunt, uncles, and cousins came. We filed through the food line and sat down to eat. Everyone enjoyed their meals. I had branched out and made turkey pastrami along with a few sides, including a salad. I usually dress my salads before so I don't put out any dressing bottles. After we sat down and were talking about the food, someone mentioned the salad. My uncle, who visits from California, asked about the dressing in the bottle. I was a bit puzzled because I didn't set out a dressing. He said the green dressing by the sink. Immediately I realized he had put the dish soap on his salad. My soap was in an oil dispenser bottle at the time. He said he knew something wasn't quite right, but wanted to be kind, and he finished his whole salad. We still laugh about it to this day. My most memorable Thanksgiving with my dad was the year we had a pasta Thanksgiving. Um, He made it out like he wanted to try something new and fun and different and not just plain old turkey. And it was really delicious. We had lasagna and tortellini, just like all different kinds of pasta meatballs. It was, it was amazing. But uh, as an adult, I learned that he had waited until the last minute to buy a turkey because money was really tight. And when he went to go get one, they were sold out everywhere. So he improvised and made this great tradition that even now when we have Thanksgiving at my dad, it's never turkey. It's Chinese food or seafood or steak. And it's always, always amazing. Hi, my name is Liz, and I live in Kansas. In 2009, I was teaching at a school for missionaries' children in Rwanda, and I remember Thanksgiving there with other missionaries, and we had probably a lot more ration food. We did not have a turkey like you have here, but we had the potatoes and everything. But it really wasn't about the food. It was just about coming together and people telling stories about their time at Thanksgiving and what Thanksgiving looked for them when they had been in the States or Britain. So it was just really fun to celebrate the holidays overseas. And it really gave a new meaning when I came back home and celebrated the holidays. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Okay, well, thank you all so much for sharing those with us 
you know that Thanksgiving is on the mind of all of us Americans right now. Hey, international awesomes, thanks for bearing with us. (laughs) Some of you may be holding your own, you know, sort of Thanksgiving things. Our Canadian awesomes have already celebrated. Mm -hmm. So thank you for bearing with all of our Thanksgiving talk this year. Kelly, if people want to have follow-up Thanksgiving talk and want to find us on social media, where can we find you all around the web? Well, of course you can find me at the Sort of Awesome Hangout, but you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Kelly at Lovewell or on Facebook at facebook.com slash lovewellblog. Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sort of Awesome Meg. Don't forget that the show is also on Twitter at Sort of Awesome Pod. You can find us anytime over on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sort of awesome. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Give yourselves a big hug and squeeze from the Sort of Awesome team. Thanks for letting us celebrate with you all a little bit this year. And one quick note before we sign off, the Sort of Awesome team will be celebrating Thanksgiving week with our families next week. So there will not be a new episode next Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, but we will be back in December with our regular schedule. So thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffert, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.